0: Great job. What a great song that was, too. How many of you are concerned about your future or have some interest in it at the very least? Only normal people can raise their hand at that. We do. We do. And in fact, in America, this is not a good statistic, but it's a true statistic. Every year, Americans spend over a billion dollars getting their palms red uh, having tarot cards read, uh, the crystal ball, and dialing 1-800-PSYCHIC. My belief on a psychic, if a psychic's right, why don't they win the lottery every week? Amen? I mean, 10 weeks in a row and I'm going to you. I mean, that's proof. By the way, the Bible just says those things are not good, so you shouldn't be doing them. Plus, that's not how you find out the future. And this morning, I cannot predict to you what your future specifically will be, but we're going to be looking at Numbers 13 and 14, and what I can tell you, and as I tell myself, that these principles that we'll see, if we will live these out, I think our future has wonderful p- potential in the days ahead. Numbers 13 and 14, we were here last week, and then next week we're going to jump back and we're going to get Samson killed and uh, end that story, but we're going to talk about our future today. And I want to start where we started last Sunday morning uh, quickly, just to touch on this to remind you. And that, that's this God has great plans for us. I believe that with all my heart. I believe wherever you are on your life's journey today, if you'll give me 25 minutes and, and let, if God will speak through me, I believe I can convince you that, that you have great plans in your future. I believe that's true for your family, I believe that's true for our church or your organization, if we'll apply the right things to ourselves. Now, in chapter 13, verse 1 and 2, a quick review from last week, if you were here. It said, the Lord said to Moses, send the men to explore the land of Canaan. This is this promised land. This is this great future to which, the, which I am giving to the Israelites. Now, listen, don't miss that point. He he wasn't sending them out to explore it to decide whether they should do it. God said, I've got this future for you. I want you to go understand what you're getting into, but I've got it for you. This is is your future. It's great. They didn't get this. And so send out spies from each ancestral tribe, and and they're going to go and explore the land. So basically, the 12 tribes of Israel, God sent one spy, and they went out, and they explored this land little history again. They had been slaves in Egypt as a people, these Jewish people, for 400 years at this point. 400 years. They've been freed from slavery from the most powerful country in the world. God had delivered them miraculously to where they were. Right now, they are on the cusp of entering into a great and fantastic future. This land is described a little bit in verse 27 over here in chapter 13. They gave Moses this account. We went into a land... "...which you sent us, and it flows with milk and honey." Here's its fruit. Flowing milk and honey means that this is a spectacular place, that this is a wonderful place, that it's a place that's fruitful, it's got so much potential. Listen, God had something so awesome for these people. If you were to look at it, we showed this last week, but a, a modern map of the Middle East, this promised land included what's now all Israel and the Western Bank... Southern Syria and Lebanon and even probably possibly part of Jordan. I mean, it was miraculous. They are right on the verge of this future that was going to change their lives individually, change their lives as a family, change their lives as a people. And I want to tell you again, I believe God has got a great future for you. I believe he has one for your family. I believe he has one for, for wherever you are. I believe he has one for our church. But it's going to require some things from us. Here's the, here's the next thing this morning. You will have to be courageous. The only way that you are going to realize the future God has for you is you're going to have to be a tiger, not a bunny rabbit. You're going to have to be a man. Or if you're a woman, you're going to have to man up. Amen. They're getting ready to go. Listen, God's already said, I've got this for you. They discovered as they explored the land, there's problems. There's giants. There's fortified cities. Problems got invented. Problems got exaggerated. But it's going to be great. It's going to be great. It's going to be great, but it's going to be tough. Listen to what the children of Israel did. In chapter 14, verse 1 through 4. That night, all the people of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the whole assembly said to them, If only we would have died in Egypt or in this desert. God's going to give them their wish later on. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land? Only to let us fall by the sword. God never leads you. Will God won't take care of you. Never forget that. Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Isn't it interesting how Moses and Aaron and God are to blame for where they are right now? By the way, at the edge of the promised land. I mean, guys, they are on the, you can see it, you can smell it, you can almost touch it. And they chicken out. They chicken out. In chapter 13, verse 30, and all this goes together, this is a continuing conversation. Caleb, one of the good spies, that two out of the ten good spies, Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go and take possession. We can certainly do what God is leading me to do. Listen, repeat this after me. I can do what God leads me to do. Say that with me. Amen. As a church, your family, you as an individual, you can do it. But you can't do it by backing off and being a chicken. You just can't. Now, how many of you never experience fear? Please don't raise your hand. Good. Two people don't experience fear. Liars and insane people. (laughs) Okay? Everybody experiences fear. I love what John Wayne said. John Wayne said a lot of good things, but here's what John Wayne said. John Wayne said, courage is when you're scared to death and you saddle up anyway. Isn't that good? Courage is being afraid and going ahead anyway. That's what courage is. Courage is not an absence of fear. It's overcoming your fear. It's saying, if God's got this for me, I can do it. How many of you know who Mike Tyson is? Mike Tyson still, in my opinion, would have to be one of the toughest people in the world. And back when he was boxing, he, especially at the beginning of his career, he was unbelievable. He was the youngest heavyweight champion ever. And a lot of his fights, he would go into professional fights and win them within the first round. I mean, if you were paying pay for preview, it wasn't worth it. You know, pay $50 for a one-minute fight. He was incredible when he was on top of his game. I saw a documentary about him. When he was a young fighter, before fights, he would go in the locker room and he would cry. His managers would have to go get him. He was so scared he didn't want to go out there. He didn't want to fight and then he'd go out there and beat the guy up in 20 seconds. And I thought, if Mike Tyson can be afraid, I can be afraid. Amen? Listen, if you look at your future, you look what God may be leading you to, what you're going to have to go through to get to where you're going to. As a church, we go, oh man, some of the decisions, we got big decisions this week that we need to make. It's going to take courage. Chickens don't get to the promised land. Sometimes you just got to put your hand in God's hand and cry and keep moving forward. I, my oldest granddaughter, is she's 12 today, but when she was four, her mama was trying to get her to quit coming in bed at night and stay in her room and sleep. And back in the old days, you just whipped them until they did it, but now you don't do that. And so she would talk to Nicole, and then she'd be okay for night, and then the next night she wouldn't be okay. So one night she puts her to bed, she comes in there, she's crying, My am scared, I don't want to be in my bedroom by myself, what do I do? She said, Honey... When you get scared, just get down by your bed, get on your knees and say, Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. Nicole went back to bed. About 10 minutes later, Julie went walking by her bedroom and she heard someone was talking in there. So she went in there and she peeked in. Nicole was laying on her knees. She was on her knees on her bed, face down in her bed with a hand raised, going, oh, help me, Jesus. Please help me, Jesus. I want to tell you, that was a sincere prayer, wasn't it, if there ever was one. But you know what? As an adult or as a teenager, sometimes you just got to put your hands in Jesus and say, help me, Jesus. Help these weak and feeble feet to move forward. But I'm not going to get to the promised land if I'm paralyzed by fear. Amen? It takes courage to leave the ruts and to move forward. That's true for you. That's true for your family. That's true for our church. That's true for your business or your team. You're going to have to have courage. Here's another thing. This is ugly. Are you ready? This is really ugly. You have to be willing to change. Uh Uh-oh. A lot of churches, change is associated with curse words. Have you ever seen that before? You have to be willing to change. They, they were not going to get to the promised land staying in the desert. They were not going to get to the promised land by being where they had been in the past. They were going to have to make some changes. Great opportunities. Unbelievable freedom. A new land like they had never been in in their life, but what, it was going to require Change. It's going to be difficult, it's going to be scary, and different. what they choose? Let's read chapter 14, verse 2 and 4 again. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the whole assembly said to them, If we had only died in Egypt, we would have rather died as a slave than go to this new wonderful opportunity God has for us. Wow. And only if God let us fall by the sword. Our wives and children would be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader, fire Moses, and go back to Egypt. And they had formed a committee right then, the go back to Egypt committee. Guys, listen, they had been slaves in Egypt for 400 years. America as a country is, we're not near that old. They were slaves in Egypt for 400 years. And they're saying here, we would rather go back and be slaves in Egypt than to go to freedom to the promised land. We'd rather die in the desert than have to make some changes and adjustments and to experience the most wonderful, awesome thing that God has for us. We would rather be miserable where we know and feel secure than step out and have courage and make some changes and get to the promised land. Is that not unbelievable? That's just like us. Isn't it? I said it last week. We'd rather be miserable in our certainty than go out to the future where there's some uncertainty and be miserable in our uncertainty. Are you willing to make the adjustments to move forward? You you remember I've said this a lot. One definition of insanity is to do the same thing over and over and expect a different result. Hey, I want to lose weight. I'm eating 5,000 calories a day. You know what? Unless you're six foot ten, it's probably not going to happen. How, how can a business, how can a family, how can a couple, how can a church say, Man, we want to go to the promised land, but we ain't changing nothing. That's just silly. Bad grammar, but that's silly. You get to a point where you have to change or there's going to be problems. There was a Sunday school class that wasn't at this church, but I bet the results would be similar, where they asked 9- and 10-year-olds, what do you think marriage will be like? Now, you you ladies tell me if this little boy doesn't need to make a change. His name was Alan. He was 10 years old, and he started off well. He goes, when you get married, you need to like the same things. That's pretty true. But he said, you know what, I like sports, and my wife-to-be is going to need to like the fact that I like sports. And when I'm watching sports, she's going to need to keep the chips and the dip coming. How many of you think, ladies, that young boy needs to change? (laughs) How many of you have ever heard of Harry Randall Truman? Probably not. No, Harry S. Truman was president of the United States. Harry Randall Truman was an 80-year-old man in 1980 living in Washington State right at the base of a volcanic mountain, Mount St. Helens. Geologists had been telling Harry that he needed to move because there was going to be an explosion from that volcanic mountain and when it exploded everything around it was going to be gone how many of you are old enough to remember when that happened Uh, two or three hundred miles away repercussions happened from that It, it, it was so explosive May 18, 1980, Harry said, I've lived here my whole life, I'm not moving. They've been telling me it was going to blow. They said, Harry, it's going to blow, but I'm not moving. And when it blew on May 18, 1980, only God knows today where the remains of Harry Randall Truman are. Can not change and be fatal? Sure it can, but, but, but maybe it won't be fatal in the sense of what you think of death, but it can be fatal in other ways. Some of you, if, you, if you're not careful, you don't make some changes, you're not going to be married in a year or two. You may never marry. You're going to be looking for a new job. Your team's not going to do well. Why is my family in a rut? Well, when you stay on the same path, how, how's it going to get better? You see, an unwillingness to change at some point, it, it leads to waste. It leads to waste. It leads to frustration. In chapter 14, verse 8, this is Caleb again. If the Lord is pleased with us, and He is, He will lead us into that land. A land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. We can have it. Let me say this to you. You can't go back to Egypt and go to the promised land. You can't stay in the desert and get to the promised land. If if you're going to realize the future God has for you, your family, our church... Your organization, you've got to have courage and you've got to be willing to make changes. You've got to. And lastly, I'm going to bring this together and you you really need to understand this. The stakes are very high here. The, The stakes are so high in what we decide to do at this point in our journey, in our life. In chapter 14, verse 9, there's a key, a key part of this verse. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Listen, this is how you and I do God. We look at God as like one of the multiple options. Like, okay, here's what God says. Ah, I like, you know, that's good. Here's what I think. Here's what, you know, my husband or wife or friends think. God, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe. Listen, when God's laying something on you and directing you in a, in a specific way... It's either obedience or rebellion. Doesn't that up the ante? You either obey God or you rebel against God. It's not like, well, I just want to do something different. That's cool. That's the horrible thing. That is the incredible thing. God will give you the choice to make a bad choice. But always remember, it's rebelling against God when we make that. And, and Caleb says, no, man, we can do this. We don't need to be afraid of these people. We're going to swallow them up, we're going we're to take them over. So what happens? What happens when you're on the edge of the promised land? Let me tell you. First of all, let's just start with you. You're going to be blessed or punished based on your decisions. Here they are. They're right on the verge. They're right there. Punishment or blessings are in the balance. 99.9% of them choose the wrong option. Go to chapter 14, verse 29 and 30. Very sad verses. God tells these people in the desert, your bodies will fall. Every one of you, 20 years old or more, who was counted in the census, who has grumbled against me. Not one of you, not one of you will enter the land I swore with uplifted hand to make your home. I was going to give this to you. You've rejected it. Only Caleb and Joshua... Two out of the the ten, the twelve spies, they're the two good ones. Listen, 600,000 men, two are going to enter, a million people, over 20, two are going to enter the promised land, two. Two are going to be blessed. Man, they're going to pay a price for other people's sinfulness, but two are going to be blessed, the rest of them. They're going to, listen, they're going to wander in the desert That was an 11-day trip. They're going to wander in the desert for 40 stinking years, wasting their life, missing the future God had for them. Is that not incredible? And the fact that God will let us do that if we want that. You want to choose that? God says, that's not what I want for you. But you're not a robot. I'm not going to manipulate you and make you do this. Hey, you make your choices and your choices make you. Young people, if there's anything I could get in your head, start making the right choices now. Start making the right choices now. And us who aren't as young, let's start correcting our path and making the right choices now. Hey, is your future, is it going to be wonderful, scary, challenging, hard, yes, but wonderful? It can be. If you'll have the courage And you're willing to make the changes God leads you to. You don't change for change's sake. That's silly. But to sit in a rut thinking things are going to get better is just as silly. Your future can be blessed. Or you can spend the rest of your life wandering and wasted and missing God. It's your choice. But here's something to me that's even more scary. Your choices greatly impact those you love. Please hear this. Mom and dads... Some of us with some gray. You see, it'd be bad enough if it was just your choices affect you. Your choices greatly impact other people. Chapter 14, verse 31 through 34. Listen to this. As for your children that you said would be taken as plunder, I'm going to bring them to enjoy the land you rejected. But your bodies will fall in the desert. Your children, look in this verse closely with me. Your children will be shepherds here for 40 years, suffering for your unfaithfulness until the last of your body lies in the deserts. For 40 years, one year for each day of the 40 days you explored the land, you will suffer for your sins, knowing what it's like to have me against you. By the way, the 10 spies that came back and they were all negative and stirred up everybody, God killed them right on the spot. You make your choices and your choices make you. Here's another tidbit to that. You make your choices and your choices greatly impact those you love, too. You see, if you lived on an island by yourself, who cares? But you don't. You've got, many of you have got kids. You have or you will have grandkids. You've got people around you as part of any organization, a church, a team, a school. Your choices affect other people. Yeah, those kids were going to get to go to the promised land 40 stinking years later because mom and dad rebelled against God, didn't have the courage, weren't willing to make the changes. They had to wander on an 11-day journey. They had to wander for 40 years to get to where God wanted them. Wow. You see, the choices we make greatly impact those we love. That can be wonderful or it can be horrible. Probably many of you know who Charles Stanley is. Charles Stanley is a uh, prolific writer. He's a pastor at First Baptist Atlanta. He's on TV or uh, his sermons are all over the world, literally. He tells a story that happened years ago where a man in his church came to see him. The man was in his 60s. The man was uh, uh, well-known in the church, well-known in the Atlanta area, very influential, had a lot of green, was powerful, well-known business person. He sat down and he began to cry. Well, Dr. Stanley thought maybe it was marital problems, maybe he got a bad report at the, the doctors. Here's what the man said. The man said years ago, God had called him into ministry, but he didn't want to do it. I mean, by the way, how fun can it be to be a preacher? He didn't want to leave Atlanta. He wanted to stay there. That's where all of his family was. He knew he couldn't make a lot of money. If he was a preacher, he'd go do something else. He could make a lot of money. He could have power and influence. So he rejected the call of God, God's future for his life. He said, you know what? I've made a ton of money. I've got power. I've got a big business I've got influence I've got influence in the church but he said for 40 years my heart's been wandering I look back and everything I've done I feel like I've wasted my life my kids are a disaster they don't love God they don't follow God he said Dr. Stanley I've got everything the world says you should have but I wasted my life here's what I want to tell you this morning If you're an older person and that's you, the great hope is you can recover what's left of your future and do something great with it. But the rest of us, man, grab the bull by the horns today and say, whatever God leads me to do, I'm going to have the courage. I'm willing to make whatever changes they are so I won't waste my life. Let's pray. If you're a Christian, ask God to show you the future, His direction for the future. Man, and you say, God, I'll do whatever you lead me to do. You're here this morning and you're not a Christian, or you're unsure if you're a Christian. I believe the future starts when you first bow your knee to Jesus. Would you pray with me where you are, if you're ready to do this, and just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I want to repent of my sins. I believe you're God's Son and that you died for me. And that you arose for me. Come into my heart, Jesus. And today, I surrender my life to you. Let me have your teaching we're going to stand in just a second and here's what I want you to do when we stand maybe you just prayed and asked Christ in your heart and you're ready to do that would you come this morning I know it's hard but would you come this morning and cross that line with Jesus would you do it maybe you're here today and you'd like to join our church family we would love for you to do that and one way you can do that is when we stand you can come we'll help you join this morning you can join after church if you want to, but you can come right now too. Christian, maybe today when we stand, maybe it's going to be just where you're standing. Or maybe you want to come and pray with the minister or get on your knees down here and say, God, forgive me for what's happened in the past. And with your help from this point on, my life is going to be pointed toward the promised land. Isn't that where we want to be? The choice is yours. Let's stand. As God leads you. You step out. You come today. Just, yeah.